Welcome to the Adorned Women Podcast. Our goal is to inspire you with new stories each week, featuring women of faith from all over the world and all walks of life. Through weekly discussions with each sister in Christ, we hope to give you a glimpse into who they are and how their lives have been transformed by the gospel. We're all in this journey together, so let's be inspired together. Hello, Adorned Women, and welcome back to the Adorned Women podcast. I'm your host, Alicia, and I'm so excited to introduce you to this week's new friend and sister in Christ, Bora Huang. A missionary kid and native of South Korea, Bora has learned to live her life one step at a time, seeking to live out God's will for each and every day. Today, you'll get to hear a variety of stories that showcase just how personal and sustaining God's relationship with us can be. You'll also hear a lot about surrender. I love the way that Vora testifies the importance of surrender with every story she tells, because that's one of the things that we really value at Adorned Women, surrender to God's will. We see the most beautiful example of that in our Savior, Jesus Christ, at the Garden of Gethsemane when he prays, not my will, but yours be done. Nothing will ever compare to the obedience Christ showed when he died for the sins of the world, but it's in his true followers that we see that reflection of his meekness and obedience. This conversation was a great reminder for me, and I hope it will be for you as well. I hope it'll make you stop and think. What's my story of surrender? It's probably the most beautiful story a believer's life can tell. Enjoy today's conversation. Hi, welcome to the Adorned Women podcast. It's great to see you, Bora. Hi, nice to see you. Uh, I'm so excited to have you on um, right now uh, for our listeners. You are in Kona, Hawaii, um, just finishing up with DTS training with YWAM. Um, so that's awesome. Uh, we want to hear a little bit about that maybe, but then also um, to start off, could we hear a little bit about um, where you're from? You're from South Korea. So can you share a little bit about um, your country and then also what you're doing right now? Hi, so yeah, my name is Bora and I am from South Korea. Um, I was born and kind of, well, yeah, partially raised in Seoul, which is the capital city. I currently live in a city called Suwon, which is not that far from Seoul. Um, although I am South Korean, I would rather say I'm a TCK, which is like a third culture kid because I've been raised and I've been living abroad so much of my life. So Yes, I'm Korean, but I'm not like fully Korean. I'm like a mix of different cultures. <laughs> yeah, what, what all, where all have you been and where have you spent time? So I was born in Korea, but um, when I was around five years old, our whole family moved to England, the UK, and we were there for about two years because my parents are missionaries and they wanted to learn the English language because they were part of, of a international mission organization. And then we moved to Albania, which was our mission field for quite a few years, but we did go back and forth in between Albania and Korea quite a lot because of different family issues and stuff. Um, yeah, so I had been growing up back and forth in Albania and Korea and starting from like eighth grade onwards till I graduated high school, I was in Korea at a Christian dorm school. And then for college, I was in Germany, um, went back to Korea after I graduated and I worked as a English teacher at a private Christian school in Suwon. And yeah, then I came for my DTS. Yeah, so what's what's your favorite place that you've lived? 
Hmm, my favorite place. It's so hard to like really pick one. I'm usually very bad at like picking out one out of many. Um, because especially because with countries, I feel like there's definitely pros and cons to each and every country. Um, favorite. I would admit though that in the past few years, I've become very adjusted to Korea and. Um, I've seen how convenient it is to live in Korea, the fun of living in Korea. So, yeah, maybe Korea. <laughs> What do you like to do in Korea? What makes it fun for you? Let's see. I mean, Koreans love it. Their K-pop is huge these days all over, over the world. We love music. There's so much karaoke. Uh, I like to do karaoke with my friends. Um, what else? There's a lot of different... Um, little, I don't know what you call it in English, but it's like places where you can go to make stuff. It can be things out of wood or like pottery or um, macrame. I don't know if you've heard of that. So there's different kind of, in a way, it's like a small craft lessons you can, private lessons you can take if you give the money. So that's also fun to do with friends or even alone. And I personally really love musicals. So I love watching musicals in Korea. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, that does sound like fun. Um, but you're not there now. So you're in, you're at DTS and you're about to leave, not back to Korea. So share a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah. So I've been here in Kona, Hawaii, doing my Restores DTS for the past three months. Um, it's been awesome. It's not easy i would say um god has done such great things like he's revealed so much um but on sunday which is tomorrow actually i'll be leaving for turkey with a team and we'll be there for two months doing outreach and after that we'll wrap up in virginia for three weeks and then i'll most likely be heading back to korea nice and for any listeners who maybe don't know what dts is what, what kind of experience is that what's the point of it Mm. Well, first of all, it's a um, DTS stands for Discipleship Training School. And most of the time, the majority is younger people around like in their early 20s. But it does range up to like families and couples and elderly people, too. Um, it's from a mission organization called YWAM, which is Youth with a Mission. And the whole point is just really to know how much God loves you and being able to share that love to others. So you have three months of basic training of um, who God is and like how he loves you, who you are in God, getting to know more about God. And then two months of actually doing the practical living out the life of missions at, a, at an outreach. And then um, I know that for most DTSs, they usually have like a maybe one week of debrief at the end. But our DTS, the Restorers DTS, is a little different in that it has three weeks of debrief, which we call a remix. And it's three weeks because they saw how a lot of DTS students needed like a time to process and like kind of blend in back to their normal life after DTS. So helping them out with that is the three weeks that we have at Restores DTS. Okay, yeah. neat. Um, so your parents were missionaries and now you're here at this missions-oriented thing. Um, so obviously that plays a big role in your life. So I'm excited to hear kind of your story. How did that get started? Um, what, what things throughout your life have got you to this point? Hmm. Well, 
I mean, I was born in a Christian family. My parents were already um, doing ministry ever since I was in my mom's womb, basically. Um, and I would say that my parents were very, what would I say, very faithful and diligent in trying to um, teach and really hand down that faith legacy into me as well. And I would personally say that I met Jesus Christ in third grade at a very young age. I felt that need of a savior and I prayed um, the prayer saying, Jesus, I really need you. I need a savior. Would you help me? I accept you into my life. And then after that, very gradually, just naturally going to different camps, like retreats or like doing my quiet time, um, I got to learn more about God's love for me. And then, um, yeah, it just went on and on. Uh, and I think I just kind of grew in my faith. Um, maybe towards like middle and high school, I learned how the word was really alive and real and how God would really speak personally to me through the word. And then in college, I did have a breakdown though, um, a breaking point where I had studied social sciences as a major in college, but I didn't want to do it anymore. So I had the yearning to kind of try out musical performances. So I went back to Korea with a gap year. And in Korea, as soon as I went, before I tried anything in the musical arena, I got into a Korean cult. So they pretended, well, they kind of show themselves as if they're like just the normal Christian church. And they were saying, oh, we also do performance arts. You know, this is perfect. You're a Christian. Why don't you disciple with us and like do um, the musical training with us? So after my six months experience in that cult and then by God's grace coming out of it, um, I had a period of like doubt about religion, Christianity, everything in general, because the cult had basically been like, a, what would you call it? Like fooling people, you know, it's a lie and it's a deception. So I thought, why not Christianity? Why not the belief that I've had for so many years? This may as well be the same thing. But I couldn't deny the fact that um, God really had worked in my personal life before that cult experience. Um, I couldn't deny the relationship I had with God before that. And just seeing my parents and their ministry and just seeing the world around me, many things just brought me back to thinking, I just can't deny the fact that God is real and he's true. So um, I went through a process of restoration, re reconciliation with God. And yeah, and um, it's, it had actually been what had been maybe the most critical thing in my faith life. It turned out to also be uh, in a good way, the most significant point in my faith life, because it really taught me before I had known it in my mind, but not really felt and understood and accepted it in my heart. But after my whole cult experience, I was like, Oh, I am a wretched sinner. I really am nothing. Um, I was living out of self-righteousness in a way until then. But after the cult experience, I was like, oh, yeah, God truly has loved me even when I was a sinner, even when I was in my darkest moments from then on that he already loved me and grace became so real to me. So I think my relationship with God became much more free, much more um, 
how would I explain it? More, more real, I would say, and very different, yeah, than before. And how I came to DTS is I had always wanted some kind of like spiritual training of some sort in my life as a believer. And I know a lot of different friends who have done DTSs and I've heard of it before. So it was actually not on my mind recently until recently, but um, I had taught English at a school for in Korea for three years. And then the past year I resigned from the school and took a year off like kind of like a sabbatical for myself just to take some rest. Um, and during that year, God constantly brought different people who would talk about DTS to me. And I was like, hmm, God, is this you trying to show me like, you know, knock on that door? So I took a month of praying about it. And I asked God specifically, if it's your will, would you really show me two people who would just randomly bring up a Kona DTS to me even before I would and it actually did happen so I was like oh okay maybe I'll apply and yeah everything went pretty smooth and here I am now yeah that's great and I will definitely want to ask a few more questions about your relationship with God in a moment um one thing that resonated with me when you were talking about coming out of the cult and how you started to doubt Christianity but you just couldn't deny the reality of your relationship with God and I won't. I don't think I've ever had an experience like that crazy, but I've definitely had those moments that I doubted it. And the thing I always come back to is, but there's a real relationship. Like there's a person on the other side of this, and that person of God. And that's. I feel like that's why it's such an important thing to have. You can't have. You can't be a Christian without that relationship with God, because when it comes to doubts or um, things that are difficult come up against you, there's there's nothing there. But before I get into that, I want to do, I do want to ask a little, um, almost sidetrack question, but something that I noticed is you kind of don't have this linear path in your life right now. And that's not, not to say anything bad. I know the culture I grew up in, I don't know what culture you grew up in of, but for me, it was like very much one track. Like you have a plan starting in, you know, your teens and then you just follow that path and maybe you take one switch here or there, but you're supposed to have an idea of what you want to do. Did you grow up with kind of an idea of what you wanted to do and then you just kind of got off or have you been on this journey of just figuring it out? I think I always did have a struggle some of some sort of where Deep down inside, I like, as I mentioned, I really was passionate about musicals and art performance and stuff like that. But I've never shown that kind of talent in my life. Um, and I've never like brought it out. So nobody knows, has a, nobody has a clue that I'm interested in this. And then the other struggle w- along with this is that... Um, I don't know, but maybe it's my dad, but (laughs) he had prayed um, since I was little, like he would always pray, oh, may she be a person who's used for your glory in this country and in this world, God. And somehow I think that those words kind of formed inside me to think I need to work as somebody who would work like internationally, not just in Korea, but like someone who would work for the whole world. And a lot of the times for missionary kids, um, many people say, oh, you're like the perfect fit to work for like international organizations or stuff like that because you've gone through different cultures, are good with languages and accepting different people and stuff. And 
I think my struggle was inside. I want like the musical stuff, but on the outside, if you think more logically, maybe it's right for me to just work in like the international um, organization arena. Um, But yeah, nothing's been really decided and sure for me. But I think I was also okay with that, especially because my parents showed that kind of life too, living as um, missionaries. They were the type to always be so open to what God has in store, like whenever, like if God is telling them next week to leave to another country or just go back to Korea, they would just go in obedience after checking that it is really from God. So seeing how their lifestyle was just really based on not their personal plans or thoughts, but really just on how God was leading them, it became natural for me to also pursue that kind of life where I'm always like, okay, God, what's the next step? I don't have nothing in my, I don't have anything in mind. I know you do. So would you just show me? Yeah. I think that's something I've been learning. You know, I said I grew up in that culture where you want to have a plan, but my plans got derailed. (laughs) And I'm learning like one step at a time, one step at a time. But um, I'm actually interested to hear a little bit about your experiences with your parents, just what you saw in them, what you learned from them. Share a little bit about moving around with them as a missionary kid. Mm. Um, one thing, looking back now, being an adult myself, one thing I do respect and admire is that my parents were very good at, um, really just treating me as a, also another individual, not as just their child or not as just a kid, but really being open about any kind of situation that was happening within the family or why we would have to move around and stuff, even if it was just things within their ministry and their like relationships with the other people in the ministry, they would be very open to share with me about all of those different situations, even though I was pretty young. So um, I think... Well, it wasn't only that, but I would say a lot of factors did play um, in me maturing pretty fast compared to my age. But I think that as well, uh, on the good side, it mm, it definitely was a plus plus to me with my relationship with my parents, being able to open up about anything and trusting that, um, yeah, that they were pretty honest with me for whatever it would be. But on the other side, I would say it also kind of like, even though they didn't ask me to be responsible for anything, I think I put some responsibility on myself. So I grew up to be a kid who would feel like not a kid, but like somebody who was a part of a family member um, that would have to play her own role, you know, as an individual kind of thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Can you take me, I don't know what kind of experiences you had, and um, I don't even know if the moves were drawing for you or not, but can you take me to maybe the craziest moment, something that was either difficult for you or just completely different from what you had known, and just walk me through your perception of like how you were perceiving your parents, how you were perceiving the situation, how you perceived God. What was that like for you? Hmm. One thing that does come to mind is, um, so I guess this is a very personal story for, especially for my parents, but um, so they are part, still are part of a international mission organization. So when they were working in the mission field, um, it wasn't only Koreans that they were working with, they were working with different missionaries from different countries. And 
Um, as a kid, for me, those other missionaries were like my aunties or like almost like friends to me, even though they were way older than me. And I thought we were all having a great relationship, but um, there was a event where my parents had to move out of Albania because the team somehow felt like, felt like the, the relationship wasn't that great. Like they were um, sharing honest thoughts about the team dynamic and how they felt and stuff. And I think my parents were quite hurt by the way it was communicated and how it was surprising to them. And when all of that happened, when that process happened, there was a leader of our organization for that region that our parents were in. That leader was helping to like kind of be the middle person and like helping out with the communication and stuff. And then after everything was decided, well, the, the decision was that we had to move out of Albania and go back to Korea. And when it was decided, the leader wanted to communicate that with me as well, knowing that although I am a kid, like, I guess he felt the need that I should know what was happening and such. So he was like, yeah, so your parents, your your family will be going back, but I don't want you to take it in a way where um, they don't like you guys or like, you know, the other missionaries as if um, they don't want you guys here or anything. Um, it's just differences and like, he, he tried to make it sound okay. And me hearing it as a kid, even that as I was hearing it, I was like, I don't think that's really true. <laughs> it doesn't sound that right to me. And um, years later, when I talk about it with my parents about that incident, they also have a different perspective on that. They don't think it was just like, um, they don't think it was a decision made just out of, let's say, excluding personal um, emotions or thoughts like it was all included so it was like a I don't know if I'm making myself clear but it was like a uh, a decision made out of relationship dynamics should I say most likely so it did hurt to hear how they wanted our family out of the team um, it was a hurt to my parents as well and also to me as well and um, I guess from a younger age, I kind of, that incident kind of helped me learn that even with adults, you don't have it perfect. Like even with missionaries, even with people in ministry, even with believers, nothing's really perfect. No, nothing, not everything can be dealt the most in the most mature way. So I think it helped me accept that from a younger age and kind of put less of a an ex expectation on people for what they can do and what they can show, maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that does sound hard, especially with a group that you feel like you should be able to trust and a group you feel like you are in unity with. But um, yeah, it's hard. Interpersonal <laughs> relationships are really hard, even within the church, especially in even. But um with with that incident, did that ever make you or your family question God at all? Or were you just, I mean, or did you even have trouble forgiving? I don't know. Did you harbor any sort of bitterness about that? What, what kind of experience was that as far as your relationship with God and the state of your heart? Hmm. Um, 
I know that for my parents, I don't think that was an incident that would make them ever doubt God. It was just, they were, they just wanted to be clear about whether it was truly God's will for them to leave Albania or not. Um, they were even willing to leave, stay in Albania and be with another different organization or stay with the organization and just leave Albania. They just wanted to know what God's will was for me. Um, I don't think it led me to blame Albania. I mean, God, um, it was more about feeling hurt that the relationships that I thought were really great and the people that I thought really loved and cared for my family seemed like it wasn't as true anymore. And just the, yeah, the things happening between people, that was the hurt I had. It, I don't think it ever affected my um, perspective or view of God. But now that you bring it up, I don't know if I've ever truly forgiven them. I think it just, I just kind of accepted the situation and thought what's, what, what's is, is just, you know, what's is. And, um, but yeah, that's actually an interesting point that maybe I should go back to because <laughs> the funny enough in our DTS this quarter, um, we have different lecturers coming every week to speak to us. And it's so interesting how a lot of them, like I would say maybe half of them that have come over the past 12 weeks have talked specifically about forgiveness to our quarter. And we've been feeling, oh, maybe forgiveness is a huge topic for the students right now. And for me, I was thinking, hmm, I'm not really sure who to forgive. I, I feel like I don't have any grudge against anybody. But now that you bring that up, I'm like, oh, maybe it's something I should go back on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You never, sometimes you just, you bury it down so deep. But um, something God has been teaching me personally lately is just that the little unseen cracks that it causes can really grow and start to affect things. And so... Yeah, I mean, I'm not one to interfere with your personal relationship with God in your heart, but yeah, it's definitely something God's been bringing to my attention as well. Um, now, what something you said that was really interesting to me, and I, I love this, is that your parents, when this happened, their priority was, is this God's will for us to leave? Or what is God's will? I love that. Would you say you've adopted kind of that same mindset for your life? Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like even if... Um even if it's people like people I can look up to, for example, maybe leaders in the church, pastors, or even my parents, if they um, have an advice for my life or say, oh, I think this is God, God's will. I don't think I fully just rely on that and trust that to be God's will. I really need my own um, confirmation from God so that I can be very sure that it's really God speaking to me. Especially for me, it's become stronger. That's become stronger after the cult experience because, yeah, you you see how like trusting in people or the words of other people may lead to something that's totally not in the truth. So, yeah. Yeah. Share a little bit about what your relationship with God looks like. And when you talk about um, trying to, you know, discern his will and confirming his will, what does that look like for you personally? Because I, I believe God speaks in many different ways to many different people. And so I would just love to hear about your experience and your relationship. Mm. Um, as I've said um, earlier, my experience, my relationship with God right now is I would 
say very free compared to what it had been before. I guess before my thought of the relationship I needed to have with God was like, as if um, kind of like somebody who needs to work it out, you know, do it with my own strength and try to be good, like be good before God. But now knowing God's grace and love for me, I am definitely free from all that guilt that I may have of not keeping his laws or like, you know, being the best Christian or whatnot. Um, so I, because I'm so free in his love, the relationship also becomes more genuine, I guess, because I can really just go before him with anything, anytime. Um, I think I refer to God more like a, definitely like a father more than any other word for me yeah like a really good good loving father whose love is so just steadfast and faithful never changing um and yeah with um me deciding on trying to find out what god's will is i try to pray about it and i do also ask others to pray for me as well um but for me personally um, confirmation, whether it's God or not, really comes through several hearing from him several times. Like it can't be just once because I would ask, is it really you? Is it is that really from you? So I need the same kind of answer, whether it be from scriptures or a sermon or worship or through the words of other people. I would need several different confirmations that would say the same message. Then I would feel like the, the the surety of saying oh yeah i think god is leading me this way yeah that's how i go <laughs> do you feel like god has been pretty faithful in that to um deliver on that basically your expectation um has it ever slowed you down or did you feel frustrated at any point or has he just been very very faithful to give you what you need as you needed it mm. I think it looked different every time. For example, my um, how I decided with the DTS was quite, you know, it's a tangible answer that you're getting. Like it, within a month, God gave me two different people at least who would talk to me about DTS and it did happen. So that was a way he would respond. But sometimes it would be very, in a way it would feel very broad, but I think it's aligning um, the belief and tr belief that since you have the Holy Spirit within you and you know what God's big, you know, truth and will and his heart is as a believer, the more you're in the relationship with God, you really know what his heart is for. So you have that feeling where you're like, yeah, I think this does align with God's heart too then you just sometimes go for it. That's sometimes what happens. And I'll be honest and say that sometimes I thought I had all these confirmations from God and I made the decision, but I later found out that it wasn't. So I think on that aspect, I've also been able to kind of put down my, in a way, like having too much confidence that, oh, I know this is God. He's going to do it. Like I've learned to put that down a bit because I feel like, as a human being, I sometimes make my own mistakes. So, yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know if that's answered the question. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it, I think it does. And I think that's the tricky part of it, of being human and just, there's no, there's no room for pride in it. None at all. (laughs) Because you've got the one element of yourself. You're like, I thought this was the answer and now it's clearly not. Or, you know, even just doubting in the meantime or feeling like, okay, this isn't what I expected. This is not, this is not right. (laughs) Or, um, you know, or the element of other people, because you're not just living in under a rock by yourself, like other people are seeing the choices you make and kind of the, what you attest to God. And there's always this element of what am I going to do if I like mess up in public and other people see this and, but then, you know, I, I mean, as for me, I don't know how you feel about this, but I always come back to the thought, well, I'm probably, I'm probably not the one that God's worrying about like, oh no, she's going to cause everybody to stop believing in me and stop trusting me. It's really just my own pride. That's like, I want to appear infallible and I'm not. And Mm, yeah, yeah. you just have to have that humility and you just got to get back up and say, okay, God, well, what next? (laughs) Yeah. And at the end of the day, I feel like it's always about being able to trust in God's goodness and faithfulness, whatever the result is whatever the situation comes to, you know, whether it be um, what you expected it to be or whether it's not what you expected it to be, just always knowing and trusting, yeah, God, you got me, you know, you've got me and I have nothing else to worry about or, yeah, be anxious about trusting that you're there with me. Yeah. Now with, um, I, one of my favorite things to hear stories about or ask about is moments of surrender. Um, I like to describe my own life as an ongoing series of moments that I had to surrender something to God. Um, I would love to hear, do you have any stories of that where whether it was something based on seeking his will and he, he had you go in one direction that you had to surrender your idea of that or something in your heart you had to surrender? Do you have any stories about that? Oh yeah, there is definitely a huge story that comes into my mind, um, which is which happened actually only like three years ago. I had been dating this guy for about two and a half years, and we were planning to get married. Um, and in the process, so first of all, I need to explain about myself that I had always really wanted to get married from an early age. I think it came with with the reason that. I grew up very independent, but it also brought a heart of loneliness inside me. So I was always like, I have my family, but I feel like I can't rely on my family. I rather feel like I should be the one helping and, you know, trying to somehow support them and stuff. Um, So in order for me to actually rely on somebody, oh, I need to like meet a guy quick and like get married and start my own family then I'll be happy in my own family was the thought I had that's why I always wanted to get married early so when I was dating this guy and when we were talking about getting married um, in the process I asked my church friends I asked my family members to pray for me and what I had asked them to pray for was if it's God's will may the whole procedure just go really smoothly and if not Um, Would you pray that God would intervene and just break in between and just put us apart? And he actually did that. Like when, just when I was um, scheduling a wedding venue and really getting so hyped up about getting married. um, It's a, I don't know how specific I should go in with this story, but 
um, I met up with the ex-boyfriend's family. And then there were some conversations that we had in that moment. And when I shared it with my parents over the phone, they were like, oh, well, that kind of doesn't make sense. Like, as believers, we believe that marriage is all about unity. Of course, like unity between the man and the woman, but also also within the families, like you're admitting that you're one family, like taking them in. But the issue we had at that moment was that the mother of the ex-boyfriend was like, oh, you know, I mean, after you guys get married, sometimes um, we may have family meetings, including you, but sometimes we might just want to have meetings kind of without you was basically what she was talking about. So my parents were kind of questioning that and were saying, I don't understand why that would come up. Like marriage is all about unity. And interesting enough, my mom had been having some sort of, um, she, she didn't have peace in her heart for the past few days before I just called her. And she had been just personally questioning God, is this from you, God? Or am I having my personal emotions about my daughter getting married or something? And God had pretty much confirmed a lot of different things through dreams and scriptures and stuff. And when she had heard me say this um, over the phone, she was like, I think this may be God intervening right now as you had prayed. And I just broke down. I was like, because I was so devastated that I may not actually get married when I was all in the hype of getting married right now. So um, as I said earlier, um, I needed that confirmation personally too. I didn't want to just hear it from my mom and say, okay, I guess that's God. But I was asking God, you know, God, if this is you, you really got to show me to me, my like personally to me right now. So I looked through the scriptures and God did really confirm it again and again, that his will was not for us to be together. So it was really hard because, especially because it's not like, it wasn't like there was a problem within the relationship or like whether it wasn't like we had bad feelings for each other, but it was just so purely God intervening. So having to communicate that with the guy, I was going to get married and the whole family was not easy. Um, Yeah, it was really heartbreaking and like, yeah, very, very hard on me, but God was so faithful to really comfort me, encourage me through the word so much right after that incident that um, it didn't um, leave a huge mark. Like it didn't leave a huge scar on my heart, I would say. And looking back now, I see why God wanted us to part. Um, I think God already knew that if we kept on going like that together he knew we weren't walking towards god together we were rather walking kind of away from god and our perspective was just about the world and the things of the earth rather than the things of eternity and the things of god so for the better of both of us god really just put us apart and i really just i yeah looking back now i'm like so thankful for what he's done because he saw that I was about to take a cross that I didn't need to burden myself with. So yeah, that was a hard surrender, but definitely a very thankful surrender. That's powerful. 
I can't imagine how hard that must have been, especially being something that you looked forward to so much. But it's it's just a testimony to God that you walk away from that and you can tell that story and say, there's no scar in my heart from that because, yeah. you know, God, God was there through all of it, every step of the way, the hard parts, all of it. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that story. Now, uh, I would love to transition a little bit for the end of our time here um, and just talk about the church as a whole. Um, I think you probably have a pretty good perspective that maybe a lot of people don't have because you've been in so many different places and seen the church in so many different areas. So feel free to share on what you've seen in any of those places or in your home country of Korea. Um, But what is your perspective on the church today? Just kind of the maturity of the believers, whether local or what you've perceived, um, and then the mark the characteristics of the church that you've you've been around. I feel like um I really don't know if I can generalize this and whether it just comes from my experience or um, um the different churches I've seen in Korea or maybe the States, but I do feel like the church right now is, it seems like a place just for believers, if that makes sense. Like um, when it should be an open door for unbelievers to non-believers to actually come in and really get to know God and experience God. I feel like our church doors are so closed for a community to become a community just for believers in itself where we're just having fun within ourselves and we're just like, oh, how can I love God better? Oh, how can I, um, yeah, be closer to God? How should I live my life as a Christian? But more than that, I feel like the church needs to play a bigger role in really giving that um, sense of, um, what would I say? Uh, Maybe some kind of a holy responsibility as believers of taking on the great commission that Jesus has given us to just really share the gospel and um, share the good news, um, bring out Jesus to all the people around you, not just keep it within you in the church. So that's something sad. I feel like um, in the church these days, maybe a lot around the world, especially maybe in countries that have had Christianity for quite a long time. Also in Korea, you see a lot of expansion, not so the churches don't expand anymore. They don't grow in the number, but it's just allocating believers into different churches, which is not really doing much. So yeah, I do feel that it's quite a huge pity um, of where we're at right now and especially at a time when we have so many different mechanisms that we can use to share the gospel not only just words but like technology now and like yeah I feel like in the 21st century we have so many different tools that we can use but it's only being used for within the church and not to really bring out the gospel with outside of the church walls yeah yeah, that was something that really interested me um, when you shared that before our interview of how the churches in Korea that you've seen have just kind of traded members and just it's the same people just going from church to church. So that's a really interesting thing. I think definitely what I've seen is almost the opposite. It's almost, for me, sometimes I'm a little worried it gets too much into the uh, what they call seeker friendly, where 
which is a perfectly like that's the perfect thing for what you're saying of just trading members and keeping um, church for believers only to go to be oriented towards those who are lost and invite them in is good. Um, but you can also err on that extreme as well. So it's interesting to hear your perception. Um, so that kind of leads into, you know, if, if you could suggest things for us to pray for, for the church in Korea, um, for your country in general, or just, I don't know, any, any country you care about and have noticed something that needs prayer. Um, and then your prayer for yourself as well. What, what kind of requests do you have? Um, I do feel like I have a great heart for especially the younger people in Korea, the younger generation. Although Christianity is quite um, common in Korea, you see a lot of churches, like every street corner, there's so many churches in Korea. But as I've kind of answered in the interview, a lot of our churches are only consisting of elderly people. Even if there had been children and teenagers, they're slowly just not coming to church. And the sad thing is not even the parents really, I feel like, um, care about handing down the faith legacy to their children. Like they, a lot of Korean parents care more about their kids having good grades, going to a great school, getting a great job that they would allow their children to, you know, put in more time in working on that than coming to church. Like they feel like, oh, it's okay. God understands. So that really saddens my heart. And um, yeah, just, I would ask for prayer for like a real awakening once again in the younger generation of Korea. Um, I feel like Satan has a lot of things held on to this younger generation where our culture has been so much about the things that you can see, like um, showing yourself um, also exterior wise, like beautifying yourself and like all about the looks and um, catching up with the trend. Um, but deep down inside, nothing fills them. So, so many Koreans, young Koreans are depressed the suicide rate is so high in Korea. So, yeah, I we just really need um, those chains to all break down and that the Holy Spirit would just pour out a new, his new spirit onto this new generation in Korea to once again raise up um, a revival in South Korea. And that leading on to not only South Korea, but also North Korea. I don't know if you know much about the situation, but we are one family. We are one country, but it's sad that we're still divided until this day. And we're living so many, such a different world, but we're praying for the unification to come once again. And when that happens, we want that um flame of revival to just flow out to the North Koreans as well. So, yeah, that would be a great request to share. <laughs> certainly, certainly. That is beautiful for request. Thank you for listening to the Adorned Women podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here, then follow us on our Instagram for even more great content all week long. Our handle is at Adorned Women. You can also visit our website at www.adornedwomen.com. And of course, join us again next week as we connect with another sister in Christ and learn so much from her life of faith. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.